there's so little season four of Enterprise that we have to to make extra episodes for ourselves out of what's here on V'ger Please, a heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. It's the year 2023, and I've actually watched my first episode of Sopranos. You watched Sopranos? Uh, I'm two episodes in. Well, I'm not, not not the very lead, you know, Peter, like that the, you've you've joined. I'm um, Peter, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've never watched it before, and uh, it's been on my to-do list. And you're over there fucking rewatching Game of Thrones, like a okay. I wasn't rewatching all of Game of Thrones. A fucking I was re- starved dog eating scraps out of the trash. Game of Thrones and its like drop. What happened with it, and on a production level, on a writing level, and when that change happened and what the impact was, I find to be an endlessly fascinating entertainment production story. And I only wish that you could stand the hand of the conversation with me because you're the only person who would. And even the, you can't, even you can't. The juiciest part of that conversation is that the showrunners were so eager to get onto Disney's nuts that they fumbled the rest of game of Thrones. And in the process lost their shot at Disney as Disney ruined yet another property out of their, how many years have they been fucking shit up at this point? Four I mean, their, years? Entire, their entire career has essentially collapsed, right? Like they haven't done anything since game of Thrones ended. I think the next time you're going to see their names on anything is three body problem on Netflix. That is not going to work. I don't know how the fuck they think they're going to turn three body problem into a fucking franchise on in movies or television, but they're insane. And um, yeah, the, the Game of Thrones, the fall of Game of Thrones, and I think it started way earlier. I think there's exactly one place where you can see where the change happened. That is when they, if you know, had the episode where Sansa got raped by Ramsey and they took so much shit from Hollywood for doing that, even though that is what happens in the book. Um, they, they just hard pivoted into being such a Yas queen, uh, feminist first kind of attitude with their writing and with the show that it really like deeply impacted the quality from that point forward and them giving up at the end is funny too <laughs> but uh, I think that uh, it's it's like a man in the high castle it's like there's a bunch of these shows that were real hot mid mid to late 2010s and all of them hit the skids are all over at the same time um, as uh, a changeover in creatives and who was making those decisions happened at a, at a, at the mid level. And it's game of Thrones was probably the biggest victim of them all. Is there a portion of Sopranos where uh, I'm going to see a quality drop off? No, actually that show stays shockingly consistent throughout. I think people just hate the ending, but it's hard to know how to end something like that. And I don't think, Look, the man, they can't all be all good things. It's true. And they, sometimes it could be worse. Sometimes it could be Dexter. Yeah, it could be season one Picard. Yeah. Well, you know what? Picard ended strong. And so will our discussion about what episode of Star Trek? We're going back to the well of season four, episode four, Borderland. This is, uh, again, Ken Lazabnik and uh, David Livingston, I believe. We had gotten through... Uh, a big chunk of the episode, and we're going to go back into where Archer and Soong finally beam down to the surface. I need to roll back a little bit here. We had gotten into an argument about whether or not that was actually 
to Paul being held and panned mm-hmm. left and right by Big Show. Yes, and it's it's her. I'm sure. You yeah, know I this. found a YouTube video that's like high def, mm-hmm. and uh, you can see it in her face. But the version that I'm watching, that level of detail is not there, and it pains me to say because I think she's done a lot of really good acting, but I think that by far Jolene Blaylock's most convincing role has been that of a mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> Just an terminally unimpressed Vulcan face, like so real. You thought she was fake. I'm, I mean, I'm happy to have you admit to me that you were wrong. You were threatening to go to a poll. I was saying, bring it. And to see you come to me, you know, bending the knee. I'm not saying knee. I'm wrong. You're bending not, the knee. I I'm get not. it. What I'm doing is I'm praising her acting. She's done a great job with <laughs> to Paul, but she will go down in history as uh, perhaps the best example of a mannequin being portrayed, whisked about you know, by a pro wrestler. I'm going to let it go because I was so confident in being right that you being wrong doesn't didn't didn't even impact me at all. Cool stuff going on with the soon and so cool that that basically ate up. Yeah. 70% of last episode. We don't do two episodes. We don't divide up an episode between two of our own podcasts very often. We've done it maybe a few times over the course of the 200 plus episodes of Star Trek we've reviewed so far, but this deserved it because I think we had a ton of just lore discussion about the Soongs, about the augments, about like the whole premise of what's going on here that uh, when we started getting into the episode, which it's itself very good, uh, we didn't leave ourselves enough time to finish talking about it, which uh, speaks to the quality of what we're getting into, right? Like there's so much meat on this bone from a, just a, like a context perspective that even talking about the content of the episode became difficult to get to. And again, this is, this is the first time I really feel like Berman has gone deep into the Gene Roddenberry uh, legacy and touched core concepts from uh, original series episodes and movies. And from what I've seen so far, done a good job of taking poorly charted timeline uh, Mm -hmm. steps, right? The eugenics wars happening in 1990s or something silly. Correct. Yep. And starting to flesh that out and do it well. And certainly Brett Spiner being involved is a big helping hand in all of that. But ah, geez, how much of that is Brent and how much of it is just good story? I think this is a where a combination of it comes into play, right? Like you, you've got a really strong idea of what you want to do with the story and Critically and correctly, Manny Cotto said, let's do this over three episodes, right? So we have time to allow you to explore the background of what's going on. We don't have to speed run anything because our budgets are are so so yes. compressed. It pays off to do a three-episode arc because it's going to be way cheaper than doing three individual episodes. Reuse those sets. Keep the same the actors. Cast. Yeah. Um, and this concept of story arcs that seems like is going to be the the skeletal structure of season four what a sweet spot yeah and and it's something that we've talked about ever since voyager is that there will be 
stellar episodes and you're like, why didn't I get a two episode? Why couldn't I get three episodes of of. uh, Well, Workforce was a two parter, right? But there's been plenty of great episodes out there like give me more of this. And instead, one of those episodes is going to go on and, you know, you're going to get bird people (laughs) retrovirus. You're going to get virtuoso. uh, You're going to get. I mean, Tom being seduced by a trash bag (laughs) (laughs) or (laughs) I mean, there's such a a, like juggernaut or um, just there's so many mid to bad Voyager episodes, you know, and Tuvok in charge like that you just could just throw into the garbage and instead kind of extend out these stories that really worked. Like, uh, especially in the late season, you know, you know, like Dr. Pell being on, you know, being romanced by the doctor and all of that. Like, oh, man, this is such a great idea. Why didn't we do more of this? Enterprise as well. You go through the first two seasons and just super duper trash with a couple good ones. And the the good ones that we did get in season one and season two easily could have been multi-story arcs. So I'm very happy to see that by the fourth season, as they're flying down their death spiral. Yeah, now that it's too late, right? Like, but it's not, you know, like you still got 20 episodes to go. And by your own account, the season's the best of the four. So you're making it count for something here at the end. That's true. I mean, I say it's too late to extend Enterprise into the seven season success that they were expecting it to be. You know, it's important to point out, like, the show did fail to meet the exp- uh, the lofty expectations they had for it. Um, but they they used the opportunity they had to make good Trek. And this is this is a great episode. And that's why it's taking us two hours to talk about it. So so let's talk about it. Yeah. Archer and and Dr. Soon beam down Sanchez, which oh, that's yeah. another one I started. Did you pick, watch any of the new season of Rick and Morty yet? You know, I got off the Rick and Morty train a long time ago, and after they fired Justin Rowland, I got super not interested in it. Uh, man, listen, the past couple seasons were real good. The new guys that got doing the voices, you can start to see past it a little bit. I don't know. I got to put a couple more in, but uh, this is definitely Rick Sanchez soon. Okay. It's confirmed for you. And uh, his Morty is Archer, you know, giving off his Morty <laughs> race. <laughs> the counter is Rick Jeez, race. Brent. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez, Eric. I don't know about these neural restraints, Eric. <laughs> so, oh, we got him in cages soon. <laughs> so, uh, they're going through this Moss Eisley, right? And this is also this is one of a classic cheap. Um, almost 70s. It totally is a Rick and Morty vibe, especially like during the escape scene when like Morty thwarts him with the handcuff trick. Man, ahead <laughs> of their time, ahead of their time. Uh, the the sort of cheap 70s of this particular Moss Eisley, I really liked. Um, you know, that it's all a bunch of dirty, literally dirty slavers who are buying people from the Orions. Like we are talking about the true trash of the galaxy right now. It, you Green know. lights, smoke machines, uh, scarves and cargo nets hanging from the wall. All minor set dressing because your eyes are on the people. And one, uh, one person in particular, Peter. 
Because two uh, big reasons. Yeah. So this lady is named Bobby Sue Luther. Bobby Sue Luther has an iconic Star Trek appearance here. For 10 seconds, 15 seconds, whatever it is, uh, she comes uh, a sauntering onto the scene as an unnamed Orion slave girl. Our first official Orion slave girl in probably, what, 60 years at this point or whatever it was. Um, She is a well-endowed lady. And uh, her memory alpha is actually quite entertaining in talking about getting this role surprisingly in depth. So because she is, um, you know, the way she looks, the way she looks, she was always booked to have her clothes off. I know what you're thinking. Seeing her on screen, you're like, oh, this must be Regine's mother from Playboy. (laughs) Of course. Right. The one from Playboy, (laughs) obviously. Uh, And she mentioned to some people that she was, um, uh, working with that she had an audition for a quote extremely sensual sensual green woman on Star Trek, and they all said, "Oh, you're going to be an Orion slave girl." Like they like told her like this is what it is. So she researched it and then like went into the audition of like, "Oh, I'm supposed to be like a sensual dancer who's kind of above what's happening and trying to communicate that with body language." And then that's what she did, and she got the job. And yeah, she's only in the damn thing for 15 seconds, but the whole structure is she's like the 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 cage opens she unlike to paul she is not carried carted about she is not hassled she is treated like a queen in a weird way she's able to saunter right up to the sales desk and present herself with no interference whatsoever from anybody not a word then the bidding goes wild and archer's like i'm sorry what is that Soon, Rick. Oh, geez, Rick. What is, what's going on here? Oh, gee, what's going on in my pants? I didn't even get punched in the head. Uh, well, you know, it's not his first time around the the flesh market. If we jump back to the Zindi crisis, they got to go to that cool flotilla planet, which was Regine, of course. Right. Um. So. They've had exposure to this kind of stuff, well, but not, not like the uh, not like this, <laughs> not like her, and yeah, not like cages and uh, the brutality of all this. Uh, Orion culture, interesting because their archer is jailbreaking the people that were stolen from him, and they would later go on to be very upset about that to the point where a space battle ensues. So. I don't know if there's really a way or if it's even worth trying to justify with some sort of on-screen discussion. Like when you're drive by abducting people with transporters, like what's your self scrappers rights or, or whatever you want to say your claim on these people are. But uh, again, all these slaves, they've got these big ugly ass restraining bolts, essentially tagged onto their neck. They've located all the crew. This lady gets up there and to touch on everything you just said, I was amazed that she had the length of Wikipedia article. I'm sorry, memory alpha article. Her memory alpha article was longer than most late season Voyager entire like entries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She she has a a full like five paragraphs from from her. Um, I mean, this she is literally dressed in scraps 
you want to talk about underboob for days. This is underboob for weeks. She's in yeah. nothing up there. I mean, it is, it, this is, this is, you want to talk about like this laps any sexual exploitation that we wanted to give awards to in this show by a huge margin. Let's Shadow talk about Nips. that. It's got nothing on Shadow Nips. Let's talk about that. Okay. Because most of the time when there's shameless sexual exploitation, uh, we really take Berman to the mat and mm-hmm. shit on him. And we're sitting here and essentially praising this scene. Why? And I think it's because they're saying, hey, here's this thing we had a bad rap for, or at least we were some degree of famous over Orion mm-hmm. sexy slave girls, right? We don't do it every episode and we haven't done it in decades, but here is a lady with green makeup on and she's wearing a bikini and she's going up there. People are excited, but they're not. I I don't know. There's almost kind of a. A sexy respect versus the dumb shit they've dragged Jolene Blaylock through where she's duct taped boobs to face with Archer or Hoshi falls out of the ceiling and her fucking shirt falls off. Oh yeah. That was so completely this. I know exactly what you're saying. This has a seeming plot or story element to it where Hoshi's shirt falling off is just shameless exploitation. I'm not even talking about the story, which absolutely this plays into pre-established lore and it's part of the scene and it's, it's part of the setting. And um, but here's, it's, a, here's a fucking stunner for you, Peter. They build on this and do a whole fucking episode about this 15 seconds this season. Well, I'm glad we're putting 20 minutes in on it. But that's why it's like I, the fact that this is the beginning of a entire episode later about Orion culture and what women are in it. And why this is happening in a way that becomes quite famous shows that they were thinking ahead, right? Like it shows like this has purpose and they treat it like it has purpose. Again, it's 20 seconds. It's not a lot of time. Here's what it sticks out. You take the, uh, to Paul's horny and stuck in the decontamination chamber with flocks. Oh God. Or, uh, Hoshi wearing her hothing and flirting with uh, Count Pop-Tart. Like, this scene of a lady in a bikini walking out of a cage and going for bank comes off as cool, right? Like, the lady's acting cool and confident and whatever. And that other stuff is just, like, just bumbling and stupid and everybody involved knows it's dumb. Nobody was happy about it. And this lady's just owning it. And I think that's it's the presentation that's really the the big contrast for me. And then Soong is even like, that's a little too dangerous for us to get into right now, John. We got to move on. <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, they they have uh, voracious appetites and they're known for their skills. We should find your crew members. <laughs> like, we need to focus. Um, they find ultimately Ensign Pierce, who is the guy who is panicking. Jim Brewer face. And he uh he doesn't he doesn't give any active bitters until Archer offers the essentially the mid he sne- he he bid snipes, right? He gets on eBay. Snipe swipe. Yeah, he finds he finds the you know the piece he's been looking for 
and gets that he gets that bid that hits the minim, minimum price. I like the right show saying, closes. "If you don't sell as a slave, I'm selling you as food." And the implications there, uh, humans just not a desirable commodity, I guess. Especially sweaty dudes with Jim Brewer face. <laughs> uh, this is a solid slave recovery here, right? Because mm-hmm. the problem is that T'Pol has already been purchased. And that's obviously the person that Archer cares the most about. But the rest of the crew, it's not a daring like transporter uh, theft. It's not the Makos jumping down from the ceiling. It's just Archer selling off extra supplies and buying these guys back. Well, for this guy back, right? Like he, well, everybody, I mean, they buy no. all of the crew. Are you sure? Oh, no, no, no. Remember they, they, uh, they buy him back and they pay extra. So they keep the neurolytic restraint on. Cause their idea is we're going to go in. We're going to deactivate the restraints so that we can then beam everyone out without them getting killed. Right. Including to Paul, and then bounce. So that's the, the usual Starfleet trickery here, but you know I like it. It's the Starfleet trickery, as established in Star Trek Enterprise, previously seen in the Lawyer Klingon episode, is uh, bribe a guard and then <laughs> turn an entire faction against you as a fugitive. So. <laughs> <laughs> They they got they the very first thing they have to do once they get further out into the galaxy is that Earth and the, the Federation they got to put a fucking paint and spray. I was about to say it's, it's like somewhere <laughs> in this part of space. So like when Archer Archer is like gotten five wanted stars from the Klingons, he can swoop in and like come come out as his brother. Here's the uh, here's the web comic I need. I don't know if Darius is still around. But uh, I need Enterprise flying away from either the Klingons or the Orions or anyone else that they've pissed off trying to shake that warning. And lo and behold, they do come across a space spray and pray. But it's death stop truck stop with like a fucking cardboard <laughs> sign that says spray and pray. And like them being like <laughs> Mayweather be like, I-, I don't know, Captain. I got a bad feeling about this one. <laughs> He's just soul shutter shutter slightly. I yeah. can't punch my way out of this one, Cap. <laughs> Maybe maybe that was like the turning point where he became just a fucking wrecking ball of a beast after he had them steal his wrist greases or whatever was going on at the Death Stop. He got some sort of cybernetic enhancement, some sort of byproduct from being in that communal mind that showed him how to just fucking absolute sack the shit out of any fool who got too close to his chair. I think my my headcanon for Mayweather is from this point forward to liken him to Kenneth from 30 rock as much as possible. You never know? saw it. Never uh, saw it. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Listen, man, I'm going to watch. I just told you I haven't seen the fucking Sopranos. So I guess, yeah, as you haven't watched the Sopranos. All right. 30 rock is a very, is a genuinely funny and still timeless television show that holds up extraordinarily well. But what about this guy? So, uh, they pull him up to enterprise. They, get his neurolytic uh, um, inhibitor off so they can study it. And then they decide that they're going to come back down and they're going to use this knowledge to a stage, uh, a classic Trek prison break. Oh, wait, hold on real quick. Before we go any deeper, I meant to bring up what's the year. 
2154. Before they beam down, they give old Soong a little shot in the neck. Mm-hmm. Little transponder. What's that? How does that work? Yeah, it's a, under the skin. It's a it's a it's a things that they can beam them out later. Um, it's it's lost. It's like Aerotech from 40k. They lost the capacity to make it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly, <laughs> it's just forbidden. It's forbidden by the Mechanicum, right? Like they just oops, oopsie daisies. I guess we just don't know how to do that anymore. It's a real shame that these cavemen Starfleet guys back in 54 had this technology. I think that could have gotten some real mileage over in the Delta Quadrant. 200 years later, yeah. Misadventures. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. They did have that. They used it in the scene. So uh, back on the the Bird of Prey, you have the Shakespearean overactors deciding they're going to kill each other, right? So Malik, who is the one who's led the charge to get the Bird of Prey to begin with, who has designs on not only taking over leadership of this cadre of uh, augments, but also on the chief augments girl um, who we did not talk much about. Persis is her name. Uh, Again, and then it's, it's hard to stack up against the Orion slave girl, but this lady is also not wearing much in the way of clothing. And and, yeah, speaking um, of shadow nips, it's uh, it's there. It's harder to notice because, again, I'm just looking at the uncanny resemblance to Benedict Cumberbatch, but she is female. Got a look, man. Yeah. And there the game being played is. Her getting on board with Malik being in charge. And then her convincing her. Then boyfriend that he's going to kill her so that going to kill him so that he'll walk into the trap that he's set to kill him in. And really the, the only um, interesting part of, I mean, it's interesting that it happens, but when the, uh, the current leader Racken points the space shotgun at Persis, it's so clearly a plastic prop that it's really funny because the, the ends of the space shotgun are just like, Plastic. Cat. You have the cat. They forgot, like, oh, this should probably look like a gun <laughs> instead of a toy. I'm going to assume that David Livingston was like, this whole scene and these guys are so fucking hokey and bad that they need gun props to fit their acting level. It spent feels all, like you <laughs> they spent all their skill points on Kung Fu. Obviously, we talked about last week. And, you know, that's a strong trade-off to make. If it's between having (laughs) great actors that can't hold the gun the right way, like Reed, or getting dudes that look like they're fresh off the fucking set of, like, the Power Rangers action shots. Yes. (laughs) They're the ones actually doing the stunts with the putties, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, You made the right call in, in, you know picking the action oriented over the acting. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed that about the shotgun too. Hokey as fuck. Very dramatic. Uh, the tables have turned, but the end result is core rules of this little tribe being violated. And it is that they are 
uh, making war upon themselves. And based on our conversations last week, that was the downfall of the augments on Earth is that after they had risen to power and taken over so much, they began to infight amongst themselves, making war between nations, and then the humans are able to raise up and overthrow their uh, genetically engineered overlords. So it makes sense that Soong, being the smart boy he is, was able to say, hey, um, infighting is a real problem with these megalomaniacs. I need to instill in all of them at a base level. Do not make war upon yourselves. But the rule book's out of the window at this point. Uh, the leader guy had been fighting to follow the rules of um, Soon, yeah. and that was to not leave their little hidey hole they were stuck away in. And he had already vi- been forced to violate that by Malik's brashness. So I guess it was Malik that really broke the rules both times. He he exposed him and then uh, you know kills his brother. Yes, and. You know, he, he obviously turns out to be the main character amongst the Augments, not shockingly, of course. And, um, yeah, you know, you've got a bunch of alpha wolves. They're going to start fighting each other. You know, they can't help it, right? Like the, especially when they see themselves and know themselves to be so superior to humans, they're not challenging. What's challenging? Other Augments. So uh, hard to defeat that impulse um, for long. I forgot to mention, did you notice that there was one of the Count Crotula guy? Did we already talk about that? Yeah, the Count Crotula guy was was there. And we talked about how it makes sense because Count Count Molestula, actually, to get his name correctly. Um, he goes by many names. He does. He was in exile. So it makes sense that his other members of his species would be like maybe closer to Earth. So it, that tracks with the available facts. Uh, we cut back down to Moss Eisley and Soong and Archer are doing some wacky hijinks to uh, pop everyone's collars and uh, like a good frat party, have everyone bust out the doors. And, you know, they they do like a, a rope a dope with one guard and then some other person sees them messing with the computer and then narks them out. And then but they release all of the hostages. So they all start jailbreaking and fighting the guards and running away and they're able to scoop everyone up, get them back to enterprise, but not soon. He's not leaving without a fight. And he, uh, he stunned batons archer <laughs> and then stunned batons his own neck to kill the transponder and tries to escape. But alas, archer, he is not, uh, you, you have to beat him over the head a lot to get yeah. him to stop. He used the weapon. It's the weapon was the right shape, and that's a club. Yeah, but he didn't hit him in the head to really distract him. He just went for that thrusting. You hit him in the head a couple stun. times, you'd be furiously masturbating. You would have gotten away Scott clean. Yeah, uh, but unfortunately, he chose to stun him, which means he was pissed. He was blue balled. He did not get beat up in the face and neck. So he finds him, and then as he's trying to like scurry up a wall, he just makes his his uh, handcuffs work and he falls satisfying to the floor and they beam back up. Well, he's running away and he hits the handcuffs thing and binds them together. Yeah. And then Soong's using the bindings to like help shimmy up a hook on the wall and he releases it and that's what drops him. They have a conversation in the brig, the brig. That's right. So they come back up. 
Soong's in the brig. Archer starts to run down like, oh, you set us up from the start. You probably sent them a message to let the Orions know we were here, hoping maybe they would kidnap you personally, but it would still give you an opportunity to get the fuck off the ship. You know, just calls them out like you motherfucker. Like, what are you doing? What you know what we're out here to do. This is bullshit. And is response to that is essentially like, just leave them alone. Like this is the next stage in human evolution. It's important. You should allow it to flourish. He, you know, he sees these uh, augments not only as his children, but also like his science project. So he's very invested in them. And this gets interrupted by, of course, by the Orion showing back up. Is this also the point where he's like, I didn't mean for anybody to get hurt. Yes. This is when he shows is like more chaotic, neutral than chaotically evil. Like his intention was to prevent anyone from being hurt, but escape. And I like that. And I think that's important for him to have because all too often with enterprises, you're either, I don't know. I take that back because we've had some very muddy bad guy waters before where it's like, the guy that should be the bad guy. And maybe that's different. You know, Colonel Grot was kind of a dick, but you could understand where he was coming from. And it wasn't until they had the uh, Colonel Grot was right. I mean, he wasn't even the villain. Like Archer was the villain. Archer was completely unreasonable. (laughs) Uh, The Dick sporting good guy. So they haven't been able to, frequently write a bad guy who feels bad that you don't have some degree of like reasonable sympathy towards soon he's bad and you know he's bad he's bad but he's not evil and i think that's that's the good delineation here i agree completely i guess there is a very brief um interlude by the way where to paul shares with trip that you know, she went meditating for two weeks and he, she didn't spend time with her now husband to kind of alleviate his lingering sense of like, I don't know, jealousy. I'm not feeling their sub romance love triangle plot. Like it's not bad. It just not right now. Seems we, we, a little two dimensional. Maybe they'll flesh it out or make it a little bit more interesting. Uh, I want to talk real quick. There's a lot of transporting going on. Yeah. They haven't really talked more about it. I could have gone for like part of the upgrade saying like, hey, you know, we've really increased uh, transporter resolution by 60% or something. Just dispel whatever lingering fear maybe there should have been or Enterprise saying, hey, listen, I think we can take this off the prototype bench at this point. Like we've been using this thing for way more than just cargo. And here's our records. And minus one thing with Hoshi where she, we've discovered like cyber hell. <laughs> we did accidentally send Hoshi to hell, uh, but we've learned from the experience. This setting right here, the, the third one down that toggle switch. You got to be real careful with that one. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, I, they clearly, I mean, this isn't obviously the first time you're going to notice a lot more use of the transporter. And to the show's credit, they do a whole episode about the transporter. 
where someone does end up on the wall and they have to rethink their cavalier attitude with it. (laughs) I mean, you'll see. (laughs) You'll see. But uh, I think you'll actually really enjoy that episode quite a bit um, about like, it's all about the lore of the transporter um, in a way that is dramatically compelling. Um, And I think that's probably why they're setting up for that. Like it's just, people are getting more used to using it. So they're just using it more. Didn't have to be a hard reason. It's just, it was always capable of what they're using it for. They just didn't feel right doing it. Well, after the whole Zindi thing and using it a whole bunch, they're like, fuck it. Using shuttles is slow. Let's Mm -hmm. get down there. Let's deal with this problem. So, uh, the Orions show back up. They shoot at enterprise. They reuse some effect shots, but except with phaser strikes because it's a cheap episode. But this time, uh, there's a Klingon bird of prey that shows up and intervenes. And of course, this is the one run by the augments. Here's where we get into some squirrely territory. Archer decides to allow the augments onto his ship, right? I mean, why wouldn't you let a bunch of, um, I don't know, super Saiyans essentially. Violent genetic Superman who took that ship from Klingons. Okay. Let's remind ourselves, why do they have a bird of prey? Because they killed everyone on it and flushed them into space. So here we are in arguably the absolute best starship that Earth can produce. Yes. Why don't we expose ourselves to being taken over so now they can have a bird of prey and the NX-01? It is just, you know, maybe Archer's gotten better at being captain, but he's not good at being captain. <laughs> like, this is just not a good choice, especially when he's like in his tiny ready room having a conversation in choking distance from Malik the entire time. And, no. the, two gu- and the two guards he has in there, neither of them are Mayweather and w- <laughs> one of them is Reed. So you might as well <laughs> only have one guard. <laughs> Here's Archer's rationale. He goes, all right, if this guy snaps and goes wild, obviously he's going to go for Reed first because he's the most annoying person in the room. And probably by the time he's done breaking his windpipe, I'll have been able to get to one of the five guns I have taped to the back of a chair and underside of a table and be able to stun him down. You know what? He probably was thinking like, you know, I've never been hit in the face by by an augment before. This is the only time. (laughs) <laughs> I get hit in the face by I'm like this is illegal. Get my this I is, need this face to face. This is my uh dear penthouse moment. I this could be the most traumatic head wound of my entire career. I need mm-hmm. I need to experience it. And then you know, he goes uh, again. Completely gets un- completely unsatisfactory ending cuz he just gets like held by the neck. <laughs> When Malik inevitably turns on him and is like, I'm going to go get my dad out of prison now. He's like, just like, I'm going to break his neck. I'm five times stronger. He's just going to let me go. I really liked that exchange because Malik comes over and he's like, hey, I'm a terrible actor. And Scott Bakula is like, yeah, but I'm pretty good. And I'm feeling rather full of myself because I just saved Earth from annihilation. And I'm going to pop off. And everybody in this room is going to forget that. You guys are supermen, minus flying. And yeah. then Malik goes, uh, I'm faster and I'm stronger and I'm smarter. Um, I'm about to grab you by the neck. Like he tells him, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> and then before Archer can even make a face, he grabs him 
and puts him in like a chokehold. He's like, even when I just told you I was going to grab you by the fucking neck, you weren't fast enough. Like you're playing with fire. Give me my dad. Yeah. I know. I know Major Hayes is dead. There's nobody. And I'm not going anywhere near that. <laughs> I, I, there's one threat on this ship and I see him. <laughs> He's stuck on the con and I'm not going to go within that. I see this blood splatter ring around uh, five feet away from the table. I see the skulls he's afraid <laughs> of his enemies. And then... So they go down to the brig and they do yet another jailbreak. They, they, it's it's uh, Persis who gets out um, Rick. And Rick, uh, he he's like, you know, he hasn't seen them since they were kids. So he doesn't recognize them really well at first glance. And he knows them only as kids, which is certainly something that comes into play later on in the rest of these episodes. That's reflected right away. He figures out who they are. He's like, my God, are you guys still wearing the same clothing I left you? And, you know, you're allowed to wear different clothes, right? (laughs) You didn't have to cover that, but you guys are supermen. I figured the context clues would be enough. Like you're literally like the Hulk just growing and ripping out of your clothing. He's super pumped to see a man. It's a oh, yeah. it's an emotional reunion. Uh, they're proud to show off what they've accomplished. He's happy to see him. They have a nice big group hug. Yeah, he's very much a father to these kids. You can tell from the jump. That's not bullshit. That's not kayfabe. He really be- sees these augments as his kids. You know, he created them. Like literally, he took their embryos. He genetically altered them, and he brought them to life. Um, and here they are. So uh, I like that. They get to the docking bay. Um, Malik is convinced to let Archer and Enterprise go without further harassment uh, because of Soong's, you know, chaotic neutral stance, trying to prevent people from getting killed, although he's a total dick. And then they bounce. Yeah. And this is where the fact he's a bad guy comes back because he basically acknowledges the fact that, Archer's mission is key to stopping a war with the Klingons, which Earth will most certainly lose. And he's like, I'm getting out of here with my dudes. And if I was you, I would go home and start learning how to speak Klingon before your overlords show up and put you guys in the hurt locker. Peace out. Why? uh, There were a bunch of people in sickbay. Were they all the abducted crew members? That is correct. That sickbay is not really set up well for trauma. Like, it's a bunch of beds and cots on the floor. And I would think after the Zindi crisis that that would have made him reconsider, like, I need more capacity for when shit goes bad. There was a scene where I distinctly remember Archer talking to people from a catwalk and like 40 people had neck braces and crutches and other shit. So, yeah, maybe the sick baby being able to treat more than three people at any given moment. Probably uh, a good place to put some of that. Also, uh, when they dock, the... Mako's kick or get the shit kicked out of them by these guys flooding in the ship. Oh yeah. Uh, Tonfa girl is right there on ground zero to get blasted immediately. Uh, she's the only one I recognize from season three, but yeah, the Mako's do not put up much of a fight. They get just crushed immediately. <laughs> Although I they mean, got, it is, it is they got fun nerfed to know pretty hard. Still yeah. But they got nerfed pretty hard in the season four patch. Yeah, they did. They did. Their DPS way down. <laughs> um, there is a last scene on the Bird of Prey 
where you get the hint of what's to come, which is they want to go retrieve their brothers and sisters, which from the beginning of the episode, we know is that cold station 12 has a bunch more of these embryos that these guys are from. Uh, and Soong's goal is to grab them up and get them born and start the master race off properly. So that is the stakes. So maybe that's the insight as to why Soong is okay with Earth getting into a fight with the Klingons. Maybe there's an assumption that he's going to be able to raise this next crop of superhumans and liberate Earth or somehow thwart the Klingon Empire from eradicating the human race. Or that the new human race of augments will just replace them anyway. I don't believe that, though, because again, not for soon, but like that's probably the way the augments themselves see it. The augments think, but, uh, you know, soon who took steps to try to protect human life from being lost during his Orion adventures, or maybe it's just the writers being like, all right, we can't have Brett Spiner be like evil. That's, you know, that we're not doing that. He's he's sick of doing that with lore. We're, we we got to back off a little bit. So what are we watching next week, Peter? Well, we're going to get into uh, season four, episode five, aptly labeled uh, Cold Station 12. And there's Soong and Malik. And I don't know, it looks like uh, the, the grenade section of your local Walmart. <laughs> It's an important We're, section. There's yeah. a lot of sales. Yeah. <laughs> right there next to the and one tennis shoes. Uh, written by Michael Bryant. Directed by Mike Viger. I don't recognize the name uh, Bryant, but we certainly know Viger. Soong's augments take control of a medical facility containing more augment embryos and several dangerous diseases. You know. <laughs> this is why you don't keep. Let's put them together. It's yeah. like, what? why not just store them together, right? We'll just, just call this the Doomsday Station. <laughs> why not? Every good civilization needs the place where we keep the naughty shit, I guess. And this is this is going to be another episode with a major guest star. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. Don't. Look forward Don't. to it. You'll love it. You'll love it. I as it could be you. Marina Sirtis and a bikini again or no, no, but I know you will enjoy quite specifically <laughs> this. Does, does Barkley somehow end up in this episode mm -mm. as well? <laughs> no, 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 oh, no, no. More precious resources used here. You'll see. Mm. Mm. And so will you fair viewer. Thank you for listening to another episode of us talking about this one. It was, it was, it was too thick. It was too much of a thick boy for one, one go round. So we'll see you next week. <laughs>